Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, returning back to the air, all the way from L.A. to Miami, Florida, London to Belgium, it's Pod 2.0, with your host, Robert Brining, and all new guest host, Aaron Laxton. From YouTube to Pod I Am, we're taking HIV by storm, an all new format, all new sound, 90 minutes to entertain you. If you want to participate tonight, you may do so by calling 347-215-9442. That's 347-215-9442. You may also participate on social media. Get in your chairs. Buckle up. 90 minutes of Pause I Am is coming your way. It is so good to be back. I'm Robert Brining, your host, and I am joined by my new, fabulous, handsome, and young co-host, Mr. Aaron Laxton. Hey, Aaron. The one, the only. I feel like I just saw you. Right? Can't get enough of it. I, I can't get enough of you. For those who don't know. That's right. And uh, I got the uh, pleasure of being in the same room as you, so I have been indoctrinated by the book of Robert. <laughs> well, I had a blast um, hanging out with you and, and just being at the conference that we're going to speak a little bit later about. But it was it was awesome. So first, I want to say, um, Aaron, I, I love that you are joining me for this season and hopefully future seasons. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, as the intro said, we have a new format, uh, new co-hosts. We're going to be talking about new topics. We're going to be bringing on new guests. It's going to be longer 90 minutes now um and we're going to bring two guests uh, we're going to try our best to bring two guests every show uh to to spice it up and and to bring some originality to to uh you know the upcoming shows so how do you feel aaron uh sitting in the chair that uh jeremy once sat in well you know what i had to do is i actually i brought i got rid of the throne that jeremy had in here I got rid of that. I just brought in a regular chair. I felt as if I was like the Pope, you know, as a changing of the Pope. So now I just have a regular chair, and uh, because there was no way I was going to fill the shoes that Jeremy had uh, filled uh, prior to me. So, um, you know, I'm excited about the show. It's a brand new format, new, uh, longer in length. So it's 90 minutes now, and we're going to be covering everything from gossip. Policy, uh, policy legislation, um, you know, just like a, a regular talk show. Um, so I think it's it's new. It's um, it's going to get people involved in the conversation. Yeah, and that's and that's what this is all about. Um, we want you to call into the show. So if at any point during the show you feel empowered to call in and share a comment or ask a question, you can reach us here at three four seven two one five nine four four two. You can also um, download the show at any other time by going to iTunes or on Blog Talk Radio. Um, so let's just jump into it. Um, we'll talk more about the conference when um, Butch uh, McKay comes on. 
in a little bit, but I want to talk about some some hot topics, some some you know uh, news articles that we've been seeing across either social media, Facebook or Twitter, or or, or things maybe we've seen on CNN. So um, this is going to be like the newscast part where we're going to actually talk about real stuff that's happening that's important to us living with HIV. So Aaron, what what do you have um, in your pocket to talk about? So let me tell you, while we have been off the air, taking this hiatus, this little vacation, uh, things have really been happening uh, across the universe regarding HIV. So I'm just going to get a, hit a couple of them head on. And if callers later on want to kind of chime in, um, or they can feel free to uh, send messages via social media or in the uh, chat room. Uh, the first one is, if you're unaware, AHF appears as if it may have a union problem on its hands. Um Union organizing is on the merge, and this has been the talk of social media um, over the last couple weeks. Um, Some of the staff and medical professionals from inside AHF are are basically saying that, you know, AHF is not really following the mission that it set out initially. Now, this isn't a comment of whether we agree or disagree. We're simply reporting what is going on out in L.A., Um, and you can certainly find out more information. You know, AHF is an organization that is a lot uh, for the HIV community, but it isn't without controversy many times. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens on that front and, and to see how they handle the the talk about forming a, a union. I mean, who isn't without controversy, you know? It's and sometimes you have to be controversial, and of all people know, Mr. Aaron Laxton, um, you know that sometimes <laughs> you have to be, you know, that that person out there with the the bright sign and the and the and the megaphone. Sometimes you just people have to be that way, and, and it's important that there are organizations like AHF that do do certain kinds of things where they, you know, really act up. Kind of they they, they go back to those days where they go to pharmaceutical places these you know the prices of medications are ridiculous and that's one reason that i appreciate ahf is because of the work they they do in um you know going after the pharmaceutical companies who are basically robbing us you know what i mean like the price of medication is ridiculous and um you know we've talked about it before on the show i mean my medication if i had to pay out of pocket be close to three grand a month um right that's just ridiculous that's just to live you know that's just to be able to have a normal life it's nothing special. It's just a normal life, and well, it, it's a high price. It, it, it appears as if this is a it, – it's going to be a toe-to-toe battle between the medical staff and Michael Weinstein, who is the uh, CEO and the founder of the foundation. Uh, he's the president, and he just simply writes it off as a – you know, it's a tainted uh, – the move is tainted due to the involvement of middle managers who he believes have put a lot of pressure on rank-and-file employees – it doesn't appear at this time that Michael has given much credence to this talk of union forming. Um, but like I said, it'll be interesting to see, you know, AHF has many enemies out there. And is this going to play against them? Is it going to hurt them? And that I don't think any of us know at this point in time. Right. Another um, interesting article um, that has been circulated widely, widely on social media is the talk about HIV and cells eradicated with antifungal drugs. 
um, and this is just within the last couple of weeks, uh, a research team, an inter international research team, found that an antifungal cream that's used all over the world completely, completely eradicates HIV um, in cultured cells. Now, it's important to say, even though it works in a lab, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to cross over into uh, animal models or even into human trials, but it's promising. And so I think that's, you know, it'll be interesting to, to see what this does. Um, basically what it does is the drug reactivates suicide pathways in the HIV-infected cells. And um, they this is all thanks to previous results confirmed in this new study and the fact that systemic drugs that are already known to be safe in humans testing the effectiveness of deferperone uh, against HIV has already moved directly from cell culture to human trial in South Africa, bypassing the need for animal testing. So, I mean, the U.S., many times we think the U.S. is the only um, country that is doing uh, testing and clinical trials. Um, that's not the case. But many times the U.S. is the only um, country that gets the most publicity about it. So that will be interesting to watch um, to see how that rolls out as well. Now, here's an, you know, this is a very kind of, I don't know, I find it kind of disturbing for various reasons. So there were several HIV-positive porn stars that called for condom use on sets. And who might you guess was spearheading this news conference, Robert? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean... We may have just mentioned them in an article. I don't know. So this is now in full disclosure. This is a, this is a, something that AHF is, has spearheaded. They poured lots of money into um, making it illegal by you know getting things written into policy in Hollywood. So obviously, people are still coming up positive uh, that are doing porn. And you know it would be interesting to see what view what you know listeners think about this, uh, what their thoughts are about it. I you know I personally don't think that eradicating bareback porn is going to end new HIV positive cases, but you know each person is entitled to their own opinion. Right, I, that's funny because that's actually one of the hot topics that we uh, posted on the in the forum on the Positive Social Network was. Um, the fact that they wanted to, you know, make a law uh, making, you know, well, basically it posed the question to the members of the site, um, you know, should porn stars or porn actors or whatever you want to call them, should they, you know, be forced to wear condoms on set? And, you know, it's, it's, it's a very hot topic and it's both sides. I, you know, I, I kind of go with I think the actor should decide. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I feel like it should be up to the actor if the actor wants to do it and, they they both agree to it, then that's on them. You know what I mean? But I definitely think that there should be testing done, which is usually done, you know, for the most part, correct? Yeah. I, I mean, I I'm mean, just – and, and I'm not trying to make light of this, but what's going to happen? Is, is OSHA going to come on site and they're going to be like, you're not wearing a condom. We're going to fine you $50,000 like it's a, a workplace violation. You know, I, to me it's it's kind of, you know – it's just kind of silly, but 
All right, and these porn know. stars that came up positive, are they saying that they're, they got it from being on set, or are they having sex out, you know, from a partner outside of the, their work? Is that well, something that I, is known, or? You know, here's some of the comments, you know. So asking for a condom on set wasn't really what you did because you you could just be replaced. This was one of one of the um one of the actresses that came forward um and then another actor who now it appears that he, he was an actor for kink.com and kink. so even kink so even <laughs> after they thought that he uh was HIV positive they had him scheduled for a shoot the next day uh as far as they knew he was HIV positive so they didn't really you know give him any time off um. So, but you know, but they didn't force knowing that he was positive. They didn't even force him to use a condom either. Exactly. And but see, this is now now on the side of the porn company, uh, a statement that they released said all of our models are informed that they request a condom at any time, that they can stop a shoot at any time, and that they can control the scene. I guess they have safe words. We take consent and safety very seriously. Um, he re- reiterated to CBS Los Angeles that no one who performed on his company set contracted HIV. And uh, this is in reference to kink.com. The kink.com complies with mandatory testing regulations, which is the industry standard for straight porn shoots. I guess gay porn shoots are different. I have no clue. Hmm. But AHF has reported that it also received news of a fourth case uh, but the, the Free Speech Coalition said neither it tested centers nor doctors affiliated with the establishment had heard of a fourth test. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Uh, you know, I think that coming on the heels of AHF pouring as much money as they poured into, you know, getting condoms where they need to be used on each and every, you know, each and every set. Right. I think Chi Chi LaRue is leading up that cause too. I mean but um you know, obviously it's not having the intended intended result. What was the uh right, because you know, wait a minute, because these porn stars are just like every everyday human being like you and I. You know, they have that opportunity to use a condom or not and they choose not to. It's it's something that humans do, you know what I mean? So for those of us who beat ourselves up for not using a condom and, and, and contracting this disease, it's something that everybody does. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, it happens, and, and, and you can learn from this and move on from it. And I think dwelling on it, you know, is something that it, – it's a hard hump to get over, but, you know, that's why we're here. We're here to no talk pun, about No pun kind of intended. Stuff. No pun right. intended. It's a hard hump to get over. Yeah. <laughs> but um bum um, yeah, so you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of pans out. I, you know, um, I don't think anyone's going to suspect that overnight HIV new infections are going to go away simply because the porn companies can't do bareback porn. Because exactly. think about it, you you still have broke straight boys that are going to be doing this stuff. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't watch that stuff, but I've heard. Just saying. Um, so let's move on to uh, one more quick uh, headline before we go ahead and bring Butch on. Um, I want to talk about, uh, I actually, you know, before the show tonight, I went and I wanted to blast it on Facebook and post it in groups and, and let people know that we were coming back on air live. And I, I saw um, this article that was posted in the Paz I Emers group um, on Facebook, and it was uh, 
from HIV Plus magazine, and it was actually, uh, I'm going to say, put out on the 24th of September. And it talks about a man who committed suicide after what he knew about HIV. Um, I just want to read a little bit about it so you get the, the gist of it all. Uh, Stephen Crone is 66, a man who was instrumental to the scientific understanding of how HIV infects CD4 white blood cells. He committed suicide August 23rd, as confirmed by his sister. As the AIDS epidemic swept through the country in the early 90s, his Crone's boyfriend and later many of his, their friends died of this disease. While Crone remained uninfected, doc, two doctors uh, took this unique opportunity to expose Crone's CD4 blood cell count to a higher contraction of HIV that could ever be found outside the test tube. So they did this test and it found out that he was basically immune to, um, you know, getting HIV. And he actually has committed suicide due to what they call a post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's something that I think a lot of long-term survivors with this disease have dealt with. I know we had Dab on before, and he spoke about it, um, dealing with, you know, survivor's guilt. And his sister, you know, quotes in here that she thinks that's a, a main thing that has, uh, you know, really dealt with why he committed suicide because he's lost so many people. And, like, they have that, you know, what they call survivor's guilt. Why me? Why am I still here? You know, why am I different? Everyone that I loved has now passed away from this disease. Why am I still here? You know, so I think that that is a big issue to talk about, you know, like how this disease is affecting long-term survivors who have watched everybody pass away. I mean, I can't even imagine that. I don't think I know. I know a few people that, you know, that were activists that I didn't really, really know in person that have passed away from this disease, but there's not been anybody that I've met in person that has passed away, and I cannot imagine going to funerals multiple times a week. Yeah, you know, I think it's one of the things that um, uh, I, I'm certainly thankful for where I'm at. You know, uh, HIV has progressed to a point where it isn't that death sentence. Um, you know, we heard story after story after story this past weekend at the Positive Living Conference, you know, and and we heard about a time where HIV was much different, where uh, AIDS and AIDS diagnosis was much different. And it did mean for the majority um, an imminent death uh, because once a person went into the hospital with um, pneumonia or um, CMV or or one of these other AIDS-related illnesses, typically um, they were extremely sick and... um, and there wasn't there wasn't many medical options, uh, so I think for anybody who has went through that um, to not be uh, traumatically um, you know impacted would be naive to say the least. It's just, so it's it's unfortunate to hear. You know, I think there is more um, research going into um, long term survivors and aging. Um, we don't have a full understanding of what the over 50 population living with HIV, um, what they are going through. And, and what actually, if we're talking about HIV, what is it that what's actually the caused by HIV and what's actually caused by just natural aging? Um, 
So it's interesting. I think the next few years we'll definitely see more research going into those areas to try to better understand and potentially um, handle those situations. Yeah, I agree. Um, I see uh, we have our guest on, so I want to go ahead and bring him on. Um, this weekend, you know, as we were speaking earlier, we were at the Positive Living 16 conference that is put on every year in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. It is beautiful. It's uh, the third time that I've been presenting and have been invited there, and, and this year Aaron went with me. Um, it, it's actually where we announced um, for the first time that he was the new co-host, and we spoke, and it was I had an awesome time with you, Aaron. I thought it was great. The conference is amazing. When Butch comes on, I want him to uh, hear your reaction to the conference because it was your first time there, Aaron. So please help me welcome Butch McKay. Hey, Butch. Hello. How are you? I'm good. A little bit tired. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are, man. Long time no see. I know. I, I assume we both got home you. okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just landed in St. Louis uh, maybe an hour ago. And uh, and and got straight uh, straight to my office to pick everything you know set everything up for tonight's show, uh, so there's no rest for the weary is what they say. So, Butch, you know, I, I, you know, I kind of wanted to say, well, first off, thank you um, to you and your staff for the amazing uh, event that you put together. Um, it certainly was. A time of reflection for me, a time of um, just, you know, I, I sat back in awe and listened to story after story after story. Um, and, you know, so what, and, and I wanted to talk uh, in some part tonight about what what we can do as attendees to support you and the conference to make sure that it continues on years down the road. Um but I wanted to say, you know, thank you that I really enjoyed this past weekend, and I thank you for the opportunity to speak with Robert um, regarding social media and how we can continue to tell our story to the world. Okay. Speaking of social media, I think that's one way that people that attend the conference can help because we all seem to be well-connected today because of social media. And if we have anyone out there has contacts with people that could be potential funders for the conference, that would be a welcome godsend, actually. You know, because funding has been really tough to come by the last two or three years. It used not to be near the issue it's become lately. And uh, so if there's any foundations, uh, if you have contacts with uh, any groups, uh, you know, uh, I know this year we had a few uh, areas that did some fundraising, and that was appreciated. Uh, we could certainly use more of that. Uh, I want the conference to continue, uh, you know, but we're a very small agency who just underwent major, major funding cuts, so that made it even more difficult. Uh, you know, we used to do the conference in March, but because of funding issues, we did have to move it uh to this time of the year, and I, I think most people enjoyed the new time frame. You know, we do have to worry each year when we do it this time of the year, you know, because we're in Florida, and that's the height of hurricane season. Fortunately right. for us this year, we had fabulous weather this weekend. And uh, if I heard that once, I heard it a thousand times, you know. Yeah, uh, that's beautiful, Bush. <laughs> yeah. 
So anyway, anybody that has ideas on funding, just tell them to get in touch with me. <laughs> so, so Butch, for people who maybe didn't attend the conference and don't know about it, can you give them like a little short version of like history about it, of like how it was started and things like that, so people can kind of get a gist about how important this conference really is? Okay. Uh, it was actually patterned after another conference that's not around today. There was a conference in Bradenton, Florida that – Peter Utenbosch started years ago. It was called AIDS Minnesota. It had a 13-year run. And I think the first time I went to it was in 1992, and I was blown away. I had never seen such energy, such compassion. The knowledge was unbelievable at that time for for me, who had, at that time had only been in the field a few years. And uh, the fact to see so many people living with HIV and AIDS open up, and particularly that early in the 90s, you know, when people were still sort of in the closet with their uh, diagnosis and somewhat nervous about speaking out, but not at that conference. It was a safe environment for people to open up and speak and make connections. I was certainly moved by the presenters they brought in every year and I lived in the part of the state that we had no education, we had no services. Uh, people were still driving, you know, a hundred miles uh, just to see a doctor. I mean, we were just really in the dark. Didn't even know that there was a lot of services or ways to bring services to our community. And so I came back home after that first one and uh, developed a plan to start a conference very similar in North Florida. It started out just a local conference. Uh, I was rejected for two or three years and, and you know, getting it started. Uh, people were afraid to take a risk on it. And then in 96, when I became the executive director of OASIS, uh, I accepted the position with the understanding with the board of directors that they would allow me the opportunity to try this conference to see if it would work. And... Um, I promised them, you know, that it wouldn't cost them any money, that I would personally accept the challenge of raising all the funds to put it on. And I was successful in that avenue. I didn't have a lot of help uh, with my planning committee, and uh, particularly the Red Ribbon Foundation, Charitable Foundation, which is based out of Pensacola. They invested a lot of time and started a program for scholarships so people, you know, so it would be affordable for people to attend. Because one thing about positive living, it unlike USCA and a lot of the other great conferences around, this one strictly is consumer-based. Uh, the majority of the presenters, not all, but the majority are people living with HIV and AIDS. And certainly the others that aren't have a very close connection to the community. And so we have always sold this conference as a family event. Once you attend, we make you what we call an ambassador. We have no budget for advertising. We've never put an ad in a magazine or or anything. Uh, we just challenge people to invite five of their friends the next year. And what the beauty of that is, it's gave us a complete equal distribution in, in, in the diversity chart. I mean, you know, because people tend to invite people like themselves. So there is a couple of pe uh, groups that we like would like to see better participation in, and that's the youth and the Latino population. And we're working on that, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes because 
we had a, some conversation around that after Robert left today. Right. Uh, but anyway, the conference is about empowerment. It's about teaching people, number one, to accept themselves, be comfortable with themselves, to give them not just a challenge to speak out, but to give them the tools in which to speak out. Uh, we give we do a lot of training around advocacy at the conference, so people will know how to do that. We did a little bit less of the grassroots this year because knowing the base of the people attending, most of them were already seasoned advocates. So we, a lot of times we get into the basics of you know letter writing, how to do that, and when to do that, how to. I know Rainey Campbell touched on that a little bit today, how to identify and locate your representatives and stuff. But anyway, the conference is about people, and we give everybody a voice. We have open mic sessions so people can say whatever's on their mind, and I've never found people to be bashful. And I don't know, it's just, it's a different atmosphere. I go to conferences all over the country in the last 25 years of my involvement, but this one just has its own atmosphere. Uh, I'm really proud that, and it's nothing that I have done or my staff's done. It's what the people who attend the conference, what they've done. They have made it their own. They have right. no farms telling you this is my conference, you know. <laughs> right. And uh, and we listen to them. You know, we, we like to hear ideas and what worked and what didn't work. And uh, we we never take offense if somebody didn't like something or just, you know, trashed it for whatever reason. Obviously, there was something wrong with it, so we try to tweak that the, the next year to make things better. All right, I, I, the bottom of the hour, and I wanted to let everybody know, my name is Aaron Laxton. I'm the new co-host. I'm alongside with Robert Brining. This is Pause I Am Radio. We have Bush McKay, who is single-handedly with his team, uh, has kept this uh, Positive Living Conference going for 16 years, and that's no small undertasking. We have a, an announcement to play real quick, and then we'll be right back with you. Okay, Butch? Okay. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love, and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS, but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the... All right. So thanks you thank you for letting me uh play that. Um so what were some of the you know highlights of the weekend as you saw it, Butch? Okay, I think uh there were several. You know, the Friday night we concentrated on the history cuz we think you know that's important. We don't want to make it something that we you know, use as a tool or a weapon against people that we don't think are doing their part. And a lot of people, particularly that's been around a while, sometimes uh, can go overboard on the on the history component and use it to frighten younger people or to use it as a tool to try and make them do things in a different way or the same way that we've done it for years. But it's a new generation, a new epidemic, uh, new demographics, and prevention messages and other messages have to change. And I think that's exciting. But it is good to remember our history. We 
viewed the We Were Here documentary, the early days of activism in San Francisco when the epidemic first started and so many people were dying. We had Ed Wolf, who was featured in the film, there to lead a discussion group around that. We had Dab Gardner uh, talk about his personal history since 1981, living with HIV and AIDS, and the impact it's had and building a whole program around a teddy bear and how that has brought so much hope and uh, and comfort to people over the years. It's a unique way to get a message out. And uh just love Dab to death for, for what he does and the lives he touch, touches it not only here in Florida where he lives, but all over the world. Uh, you know, he speaks in almost every country on the globe. He named a few that he hadn't, and I'm sure he will get there eventually. But, you know, history is just such a part of who we are. And it can, if we know it and know how to use the history to better our path going forward, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, of course, the next day we had Timothy Ray Brown there, which represents the hope in all of us. Uh, Timothy being the Berlin patient, the only person ever cured of HIV and AIDS, certainly had a remarkable story to share. And just his uh, gentle personality and willingness to have one-on-one conversations all weekend with people, he's so approachable and, and just a down-to-earth guy that wants to do everything he can to better the community. I had tremendous comments on you guys and your workshop. Uh, you know, everybody kept saying, you should have been there. And I, I planned <laughs> to be there, and I ended up having to go to uh, Panama City to pick up another speaker at the airport at that time because his flight had got canceled the day before. So. I had so to wait a minute. That. So wait a minute. You you chose to go pick up Joey Wynn instead of coming to ours. Is that what it was? <laughs> hey, have you that ever? You don't, cro- you don't you don't cross Joey Wynn, okay? <laughs> no, we love Joey. We love Joey. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I want to just real quickly, Butch. Uh, I want to open up the phone line so uh, people can start letting us know that they want to actually come on air and talk with you or talk, share your, you know, their experience at the conference or what they got out of it or their favorite part or just uh, speak to you because they didn't get to speak to you at the conference. So if you're on hold and you're listening to the show, you can press the one button so we know you want to come on air and we'll bring you on live. Uh, I want you to talk about the heart circle and um, how important that is because that's my favorite part of the conference every year. Yeah, that also happened this year right when I was picking up yep. Joey. <laughs> but uh, we, every year since we started Positive Living, we've had some type of memorial service to show respect and love for the people that, that we've lost, the people that paved the way, being advocates to make things better for for future generations living with HIV and AIDS. And it's so important to uh, just take time to remember We've done numerous things from spreading rose petals in the ocean to floating our styrofoam red ribbon in a swimming pool to (laughs) candle lights. But recently we started doing the heart circle, and the heart circle is very personal. We have a stone that's actually in the shape of a heart. You form a circle, and everyone has an opportunity to speak. When the stones pass to you, no one else is supposed to say a word while you have the stone. You have everybody's attention to share what's on your heart. 
You don't have to speak if you're uncomfortable speaking because it can be very emotional when you're doing this, remembering loved ones. But passing the stone around the circle and giving everybody an opportunity to share uh, something about a person they care about that they may have lost. or And I don't know, it, it just really has a way of touching a heart like nothing else does. We also use the heart circle in some of our other retreats and trainings, not so much as a memorial thing, but just where people are emotionally in their journey. And uh, I know last year I was really touched when we had children in the circle that spoke of losing their parents, and that was uh, was tough. But it was also so heartwarming to hear their stories and and to know that, children are impacted by this and uh so it's just a, a beautiful setting down on the beach listening to the surf uh feeling the breeze it's just a way of connecting that's different than trying to connect to the workshop or or at the dance we do i mean everything has connections but i think the heart circle you get the most connection so, so Bush, I- connection I have a, a a a comment about the dance last evening. Mm-hmm. Um, the DJ, we had a miscommunication. <laughs> and for anybody who wasn't at this dance, let me tell you, the diversity at the Positive Living Conference uh, is bar none. Um, I mean, you, there was it's an eclectic group of people. Um, it, it's you know, and that's one thing that's so lovely about it. Um, but mm-hmm. everybody came out to dance, um, and everybody had their own styles, and um, everybody got to see that I don't really have any great ability to dance. Um, people probably thought I was having a seizure or something, so they probably had an ambulance waiting for me outside. <laughs> but I wrote a request to the DJ, and I said, uh, Dancing Queen by ABBA. And then the next thing I know, there is a drag queen... Uh, a drag performer who is who is dancing, and I said she clearly misunderstood what I said. I said dancing queen, not a dancing queen. <laughs> but you know, the, the thing that I enjoyed about the dance was it was just a time where everybody kind of, I mean, in my mind, forgot about HIV, and we had fun. We we cut up, we laughed, we it was a time of fellowship with each other. And that's what I got out of it, and, and really enjoyed, uh, you know, the the evening. Yeah, we always try to do things. It's not enough just to have a conference where you go to meetings all day. You have to. I learned early on you have to incorporate a lot of opportunities for fun and socializing. Uh, so we've always had elements. We used to do a luau out by the pool, which was a perfect setting with the volcano pool and everything. And then we started doing the dance. We've had entertainments at the banquets before. We've had comedians come in. You know, every about every third year, River Houston comes in. She was there last year. I'm sorry you missed last year, but we all, that's just one of the entertainment components that sort of sets this conference apart. Because I don't think I've ever been to other conferences that has a dance or parties. I'm sure there probably are somewhere out there, but. You know, we just like to have a good time. And that's what families do. We'd like no, to have callers 
We'd like to let the callers know that if they're wanting to call in, the number is 347-215-9442, and press 1 to let us know that you're wanting to call in. Go ahead, Robert. I didn't mean to step over you. No, I was going to say that's one of the things that actually I, I feel, too, about the conference is that it's become like a family to me. Um, I've been there the last three years, and every time I go, I feel like I get a new family member. I find a new brother. I find somebody that I connect with where I know that, you know, if I need anything, I can contact them. It's those side conversations I talked about in our presentation. It's all the little conversations when you're having a cigarette or when you're, uh, you know, standing in line getting food and you're sharing, you know, your dietary, you know, issues, whatever it is. It's those little conversations that let you feel that you're not alone. And this conference is full of moments where those little conversations, you know, happen and they change lives. And I think that's why the conference is, you know, continually been, you know, received very well and people have attended on large numbers. I mean, I love going to a conference and knowing that most of the people there are positive and it's like, it's easy breezy, like conversations are there. That conversation doesn't ever need to be had. The connections are just unreal that people make there and they go on for years, you know. And the thing about the ambassador program, it brings new people into the fold every year. There was like six, over 50% this year, I think, which is the largest uh, new attendance. You know, it, it was amazing to see uh, so many new people there this year. The attendance was down a little bit this year, and we attribute that to USCA is a big draw for people, and it's not always in the South, but this year it happened to be in New Orleans. It just happened to be two weeks before ours. And so a lot of people that come every year to Positive Living made the choice this year to go to USCA because of it being in the South and not getting that experience a lot of times. And I can appreciate that and understand that. And I did go by USCA. Even though I wasn't personally able to attend, I did go there the first day because I was in New Orleans. And just to say hello to a lot of people, and they were all apologetic, the ones that weren't going to be able to be here, and promised me, We'll be back next year, though. <laughs> That's awesome. So I right, looks like we, have, we uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 phone, the switchboard's <laughs> lighting up. So obviously, people are wanting to talk to you, Butch. Great. Go ahead, Go ahead and, uh, bring some. Bring them on. All right. Seven one three, you're on. Uh, yeah, this is Tracy. How are y'all doing tonight? Very well. How are you doing? All right. I was just going to I say, it was. hey, how you doing? It was a great conference, great speakers, and like Robert said, you get to see old family each year that you go back, uh, you, and everybody becomes more and more family. And just wanted to say, Butch, it was a great conference. Well, I appreciate that, Tracy. And Tracy has spent a whole year a part of a small committee that started early on, uh, trying to come up with fundraising ideas when this conference was in financial trouble early in the first part of the year. We had, you know, uh, calls every week at first and then every couple of weeks, and I don't think Tracy ever missed a call. And uh, he had got me in touch with a lot of different uh, potential sponsors, and I, I appreciate you so much, Tracy, for doing that. And he even brought brought me this beautiful quilt made out of blue jeans that his mother sewed so we could use it as a raffle auction to raise money for next year. Wow. That's awesome. And I was going to add, somebody earlier asked what to do. 
anybody that looks like they they've got any money at all, hit them up. All they can do is say no. But if you but if you keep hitting them up, they might get tired of it and and get some money. So, because <laughs> we need to start today. And we haven't given up on Tracy's number one goal and idea, and that is to get NASCAR involved as a sponsor. Yeah. We wow. did make several contacts. It didn't happen yet this year, but I think if we just keep making those contacts, that that might be a possibility, too. Yeah. That would be incredible, uh, actually. Could you imagine seeing, seeing uh, you know, uh, on, on the friggin' car? That would be awesome. Anyway, so, um, Tracy, well, uh, are, you going to be, uh, listen- are you going to be listening still? Do you want to leave you on, on the line, or...? No, I'll just I'll just listen. Okay, well you have yourself a great night and thanks for calling into the show, man. Okay, y'all too. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, let's go to the next caller, area code three eight six. You're on the air. Who's this? Hello. Hi, who's this? Yeah, this is Omar. Hey Omar, where are you calling from? Hey. Uh Daytona. All right, Daytona, ready for it. So did you attend yeah. a conference? I did. It was absolutely amazing. I was. It was my first time, and I had a wonderful time. It was very thrilling. I, I really enjoyed it. Very empowering. Um, I think the history uh, part of it was very impactful. Meeting Timothy, that just blew me away. Absolutely. Now, Omar, when you um, towards the after Robert left today, there was kind of a an open mic session. Uh, because there's several, including uh, Butch, that will be traveling to the White House. Um, that'll be in October, uh, correct, Butch? Yeah, it's October the seventh. It's you know a, a week from tomorrow. <laughs> so some of the things that Butch was looking for, and the team that is, will be representing uh, many of the southern states uh, in for this summit, is issues that are important to the southern states. Omar, can you kind of are there issues that you see? Um, that need to be hit uh, by this team that's traveling to the White House? Well, I think housing and health care is the most important thing. Um, uh, you know, being a, being a veteran and, you know, having been homeless before, you know, there are some programs out there, but it's not enough. And, you know, if you don't have any other resource or any family or anyone you know, and, and if you're fortunate enough to get on disability or something, you know, you can't afford to pay the security deposit, all that, and then live. Right. You know, so there needs to be some more affordable programs for people. Create something. Build something. Um, that, you know, you know, I, I appreciate that. you coming, Omar. And I, I got to meet Omar before the conference because we took our Activate You uh, training that we do. We had gone to Daytona to provide training a couple of months ago to the uh positive champions uh who have who it's a speakers bureau in the Daytona area for people HIV positive to tell their stories and to to advocate for for the community and uh I know Jim Gary and and uh Jeff Allen were responsible for getting that group started and they attribute positive living as what gave them the idea and the and the tools in which to start that group. So a lot of things That's happen awesome. at the conference that continue on and build other groups. There's been two or three other conferences that's been held as a result of people attending Positive Living. So, 
Now, Obar, I'll I'll say this. Uh, you know, in my daily job, I'm a case manager working with homeless veterans. Um, so what we can do as veterans um, is there's a lot of programs that are available to veterans, but they may specifically need to ask for them. Um, and so all veterans um, have access to uh, programs for housing, such as like grant per diem programs or transitional housing programs. Um, so I would encourage you, if you know a veteran who is dealing with HIV or, or a veteran that's homeless, um, the push right now by the VA is to get those veterans housed and to stop chronic homelessness across the VA system. There's no reason why any veteran should be homeless at all. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And I also want to thank um, you and Robert for um, your presentation because it sparked a wonderful idea for me that I've shared with my mentor. And so maybe you'll see something coming very soon. <laughs> Well, that's exciting, Omar. Actually, I remember that you you were speaking with with uh, Jeff, and you guys did a great job. Um, I'm glad that you came to the conference and got to experience it because it's it's something you will never forget. And you know, once you get that thing up and running, why don't you come back and visit us at the show and talk about it? Absolutely, I'll be sure to do that. And I'm looking forward to seeing y'all as soon as possible. All right, you have a great night. I will. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I do see our next guest is on the line, but I do have one more caller, so I want to take this one caller, and then we'll bring Rick on real quick. Area code 407, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello? Hello? Hi, who's this? Oh, this is Jerry. This is from Daytona Beach also. You said Jerry? No, this is Jay from Daytona Beach. Oh. Hey, Jay, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I just want to, you know, thank Rick for, you know, for the opportunity of letting me go for the uh, to the uh, conference. This was my first conference as well, as it's like with Omar. Um, I'm part of uh, Jeff's group as well that went out there, the little group that Jeff took with him. Um, uh-huh. I just want to say, you know, thank you all for your presentation that you guys did. That was wonderful, and you guys made it made it a little bit comical. So I mean it was it was it was good. It was good. It was a lot of information. So I just want to say thank you guys for for sharing that with us. You know, uh, thank you for being there. I I was um you know, I your story like many other stories, I I listened to everyone and it was very impactful when I got to be around you and talk with you. Um so I I want to let you know that you know, you are being uh, a resource to others. You know, sometimes people who present, they get all the credit or the organizers or so forth. But really, if it, if it isn't for the people who come to these conferences, then there is no conference. Uh, would you right. agree with that, Butch? Oh, yes, definitely. So thank I you so much, I Jay. Agree. No problem. I just, you know, like I said, you know, thanks again, Butch, and hopefully we get to see you here in Daytona again sometime soon. Okay, I had a great time when I was down there, so. No, we all did. Cool. Well, that, well thanks for calling in, Jay. Hey, no problem. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. You too. All right. Cool. Um, so before we let you go, Butch, I'm going to bring Rick on, and I want you to um, – Tell us a little bit about why Rick was chosen as this year's um, Martin Delaney Power of One Award recipient. 
Okay, first of all, for people who don't know the what the award's about, uh, Martin Delaney, who was the founder of Project Inform, uh, and perhaps the biggest cheerleader for positive living, uh, presented at Positive Living was our keynote speaker every year to give treatment updates and treatment options and to just educate people who were living with HIV and AIDS how to care for themselves and to bring the science down to a level that people could understand it, appreciate it, and make use of it. And uh, Marty was such a good uh, friend to the community, such a good friend to Positive Living. This man was internationally known, spoke all over the world. There are so many awards in his honor giving at the national level and the uh, the National uh, Infectious Disease Units, uh, uh, DAIDS, and a lot of the government uh, organizations recognize Marty with different lectures and series and stuff. But Marty would be the first to tell you that the greatest thing for him was positive living because the first time he ever spoke at the conference, afterwards he called me and said, I want to come back every year. He said, you know, I turn down speaking engagements all the time because my schedule doesn't allow me to be everywhere. But he said, I've never been at a a conference where people were so hungry for information and so appreciative to receive it. And he said, I I need to be a part of that. So he spoke, uh, missed one conference out of the first 12. uh, He had a heart attack two weeks before. And so he sent a replacement. But uh, we were building a workshop for Positive Living 12 around his life. We were doing a workshop called The Power of One because Martin Delaney was someone that fit that description. So the workshop was going to be on how one person could make such a huge impact if they just uh, set their mind to it and did what was necessary. And... uh, we were going to have that as a documentary. Actually, it was going to be the opening of a documentary. They were going to film on Marty's life. And uh, unfortunately, uh, a few weeks before the conference that year, Marty died from hepatitis. And so in his honor, uh, we started this award, and we give it every year in honor of somebody that's gone above the fray, that's uh, been a leader in the community, that surpasses uh, the regular advocacy that we all are called on to do, but the person always goes uh, a lot further than that. And this year's recipient is Rick Vitale, and the reason Rick was chosen, Rick is also one of my co-partners in the advocacy training program, Activate You, but he's also, I hired Rick... (laughs) Oh, gosh, 18 years ago or maybe longer than that. Uh, Rick had been diagnosed 30 years ago, uh, was living in Fort Lauderdale, and in the uh, early 90s decided he needed to slow down in life and just enjoy what life he may have left, like a lot of people were told in the early days, you know. Uh, So he decided he wanted to retire to North Florida, buy a farm, and just uh, lived the good good old country boy life for a while. And we had a mutual friend who lived in Fort Lauderdale who called me and says, I have a good friend, Rick Vitale, who's living in your area now, and he thinks he needs to retire, but he doesn't, so you make sure you put him to work. 
So it took a little convincing on my part, but Rick was doing a little bit of volunteer work with the agency, but I finally persuaded him to come to work as a case manager, and he hasn't stopped working since then. He's taken on so many jobs after many years with the organization as a case manager. He went to work for the Florida Department of Health and became the ADAP coordinator, which most Department of Health people, I'll tell you, they're strictly eight to five uh, personnel. They don't do anything after hours. They don't do anything extra that they don't have to. Rick is the exception to that. He was working in a rural county, Jackson County, Florida, uh, saw a lot of unmet needs, started doing town hall meetings. He addressed issues for the MSM community in the rural areas that, you know, it's hard to be open and out when you live in a small town in the south. So he brought together people to do town hall meetings and talk about stigma and discrimination and how to get around it. Uh, He has a lot of migrant workers that live in his community. He did town hall meetings for migrants and brought in speakers from, you know, all over the country to handle these workshops and these issues. He did one for the African-American community. He's bridged the churches in the area and the HIV community, which is sometimes very difficult in the South. And I don't know, man. He just goes on and on. He's amazing in what he accomplishes, and he's always thinking of new ways to reach people and better ways to reach people and just has more energy than most people I know. And it's just an honor to work with him. I respect him so much. So... It was well-deserving cool. that he get this award this year. All right. Well, please help us welcome Rick Vitale. Hey, Rick. How are you? Rick? Yeah, I'm still there. Can you hear me? Hey. Yes. How are you? Great. Wonderful to hear your voices. And well, thanks for joining for... us, and congratulations. I mean, well, it's incredible, the stuff that you do. Well, thank you very much. Um I don't know where to begin, Butch, after that. <laughs> that. That was just really, you left me speechless on that. Um, I, I'm, I'm truly inspired by Butch, I have to say that. He he uh, literally brought me kicking and screaming and out of the woods and into this little organization called BASIC uh, almost 18 years ago. And then, uh, you know, like he said, um, we, we, we worked very hard together to... to uh, have a conversation on HIV and AIDS in a very rural area and uh, reaching out to um, the area where I live in. um, I affectionately call it L.A., Lower Alabama, because we're on the border of uh, Dothan, Alabama here, and uh, it's a different type of lifestyle than I was used to in Fort Lauderdale, to say the least. Um, It's a very eclectic group of people. Uh, when I first moved to my my little farm, as Butch calls it, um, my nearest neighbor was a mile away. But in the three-mile radius, there were 13 people living with HIV and AIDS. And that was a lot back then. Um, I started working for BASIC, and I got a phone call from um, this little social worker in Jackson County who had asked um, if they could send a case manager up this way. And because I live this way, Butch sent me up. And um, I went to this place called Jackson County Health Department. And, and we, we identified a couple of people who were moving home from big cities back to their their parents' farm, basically to go back to die. 
and uh, we saw the need to start a clinic. And actually, that clinic uh, has been up and running now for 20 years. Um, and the need just grew bigger and bigger. I mean, I was just doing case management up here and then traveling around to other areas, but I was only up in this particular neck of the woods for about uh, one day a month, and then it turned out to be three days a month, and then it would, turned out to be uh, once a week, and then it turned out to be uh, two days a week, and now, of course, it's five days a week up here. And it's um, it, it's just unbelievable that, you know, um, HIV really knows no boundaries. Um, it, it, it's everywhere. So uh, whether it's in big cities or small populations like this, it, it does happen. And as we all know, it doesn't discriminate um, it knows no boundaries. It doesn't know any race, color, creed, or sexual orientation, or if you're rich or you're poor or whatever. It just happens. So, for whatever reason, um, but Butch has inspired me and pushed me and gave me that nudge, and I'm for that. I'm forever grateful. So, yeah. So, um, I wanna we're at the well, we're at the top of the hour. So, um, for the last half hour, we're gonna speak with you, Rick. I want to thank Butch for calling in and and you know, hosting the conference and putting it all together and all the hard work and everything that he did. Um, uh, we love him, and I can't wait to go back again next year. Uh, we're going to play a quick uh, PSA here, and then we'll be back with uh, Rick Vitale, and we're going to talk about what it's like for you to win the award, and then I also want to touch a little bit on your personal story, okay? Sure. Great. Thank you. Good. We'll, we'll, we'll be right back. What's going on out here? We got changes to make. It's time to wake up for humanity's sake. Break the silence today before it's too late. AIDS is affecting us, disrespecting us. I'ma go get tested. It's a simple maneuver. It's not about the past. It's about my future. I'm not trying to miss it. I won't be a statistic, so I protect myself whenever I'm intimate. At this moment, I decided to have a plan. It's time to take a stand, because AIDS, I'm greater than. This is Senior Chaos, and this was my deciding moment. Tell us yours at greaterthan.org. And we are back live. This is Robert Brining, and I'm joined by Aaron Laxton and Rick Vitale. Um, for more information on um, Butch and to make a donation for the Positive Living Conference, go to AIDSOasis.org, and you can contact Butch and make donations through the website there. So, um, Rick, what was it like to, to win the award, to have your name called? I saw you. I remember when it was happening. I looked over at you, and, and immediately, once he said, you know, that, it was the person that uh, co-chairs to activate you. You immediately got all teary-eyed. What was that moment like for you? Um, I kind of freaked out. I mean, I had no clue. I mean, um, was as Butch was talking about the individual who was going to be the recipient, I started realizing more and more it was me. And uh, <laughs> when he started naming little areas like Jackson County, I'm like, well, who the hell's up here except for me, you know? Am I allowed to say hell? <laughs> Yeah, anyway, you can say whatever you want. Well, thank you. <laughs> and, and with that being said, it kind of slipped me out, and um, I kind of went numb. Um, my uh, my other half was sitting next to me, and he's squeezing my leg, and obviously he was in on it uh, with right. Butch and, and knew about it because I kind of flipped out that he was there to begin with, you know. Um, <laughs> and it, it was quite a surprise. It was quite a surprise, and it was it was very difficult to stand up for that moment, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I had the pleasure of knowing Marty years ago, and I met him through through Butch about twenty some odd years ago, and then um, I got to meet him at the conference as well. And um, it's obvious, I, I, you know, as Butch was saying that we live on a farm, but um, 
I wake up early every morning, and, and Marty does all. Marty did as well, and we would meet for breakfast by accident, and it turned out to be a yearly thing. So during the conference time, you know, during the conference time, we would meet in the um, garden cafe there at the Ramada and uh, have breakfast before the day started. And uh, it was kind of cool to pick his brain, you know. And But Marty was a very unique individual. Um, you know, we talked business and shop and all that kind of good stuff, but he got real personal with me, and he always asked how I was doing and making sure that I was on track with my medications and things of that nature. He was a very loving individual. And um, it's it, it just, you know, it's, it was an overwhelming moment for me as it was last night. So... So we'd like to remind callers, this is Pause I Am Radio. Uh, if you'd like to uh, talk with Rick or myself or uh, Robert, you may do so by calling 347-215-9442. That's 347-215-9442, and press 1 to let us know that you are wanting to come on air. So, Rick, I had – it. I you know, anyone who knows me knows that I have um, a person that's very near and dear to my heart – um, that is Latino, and this person does a, a large amount of work to better the Latino population, in, in particular L- Latina populations. Um, what do you see as a challenge? Because um, I know you've done a lot of work with migrant workers. Um, what are some of the barriers and challenges uh, in trying to address a- HIV in in this population? Well. The obvious is stigma, number one. But the other thing is fear-based. Um, we live in an area of Florida where it's mostly migrant workers. And we are on the border of a couple of states, Georgia, Alabama being one of them. And uh, they just recently passed very um, very hard immigration laws. So, I mean, if you're, you're not a card-carrying individual, um, you know, and they see you on the street, you're out of there. With that being said... Um, the migration actually had stopped, and, and people stopped being on the move, but and ended up here in our panhandle of Florida, and um, where the laws aren't that strict, so they're kind of just nesting here, so to speak. You know, they're, it's a hardworking community for sure. Um, the, the situation in those states, I mean, you know, where they were getting paid fifty cents a, a bushel or to pick fruit or vegetables, um, you know, now the farmers up in those other states are realizing that um, that they kind of screwed up and um, there's nobody to do that work. So um, the population is is embedded here. Um, I had the pleasure of doing a brief survey a couple of years ago just to identify what our population was like here. And there was only like about 300 people here. And then after these immigration laws came in, we had to do another sweep because we started noticing more people being seen in in different areas. And our rough guesstimation at that time was close to 3,000 in less than, you know, less than a year, year and a half, almost two years. Well, that, that population more than quadrupled, you know, overnight. Now, with the Latino population, it, it's amazing because they, they're very loving people, of course, and they would get their children taken care of, but they were very apprehensive coming to us, or because I work in public health, to to, to address their health care needs. And it just kind of hit me, you know, what's going on, you know. Um, so um, 
Butch and I kind of hooked up with uh, Age United. It was through a grant um, with the Cromwell Corporation out of, out of Washington, D.C. And um, they asked us to do a survey of needs. And uh, we started going to these different populations or different camps, uh, working camps. And uh, we didn't do these surveys behind the desk. We actually got out on the field ourselves to, uh, to the places where they where they are, where they live, where they shop, um, and started asking questions. Now, I mean, you can't tell by the radio, but I'm Lily White, and uh, I don't speak Spanish. So I grabbed an interpreter with me, and we did the best we could. And um, it it was heartbreaking. The poverty that I saw, the, the children, the devastation. I mean, people living 12 and 14 people to a, a trailer or, or a home, it was just, it's, it's unacceptable. So... Um, I started asking for the state's help. And, of course, you know, the, the, the pamphlets or the stuff, the information that they gave was not suited or fitted for that population. And it was kind of like over everybody's heads, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and because of the many dialects of of the Latino com- community, it, it, you know, it was uh, kind of out of touch. So I, I approached the state and spoke to a, a lovely lady, Named Yulita Zubar, who uh, who worked with this population at one time and understood what was going on, and she didn't have very much of a budget or anything, but um, she um, put together something called a photo novela, which is a like a, a soap opera on uh, on poster with like bubble captions over the people's heads, and it was a form of communications that people did in the 1920s um, to tell stories or theatrical plays or whatever. And uh, she put this together. She got a bunch of her friends together. They were actually the models for this. And, and they put prevention messages in these photo novellas. So she gave them to us here in the Panhandle. And there were a few of us, and we spread we spread them around. We started spreading them around. And we were getting a reaction from, from it. And as Butch mentioned, um, we had a town hall meeting. And um, that was an eye-opener. You know, in town hall meetings, you just don't hear the, the good. You hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. And some of it was pretty ugly. And it was, you know, when you learn from those experiences, we heard the voices of this community. We had it at a little Catholic church, which I was really shocked about that they invited us, you know, an HIV group to come on in and to talk about AIDS. And um, they they opened their arms to the community. They served a fabulous dinner. Am I allowed to say fabulous? Oh, you can say whatever. Okay. <laughs> well, we are a guy. I hope so. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, they served this wonderful meal, and I, I didn't want them to hear from me, you know, because, you know, people were seeing me, and, you know, I'm old hat up here. Um, so we brought the rock stars in their community who, who were pretty well-versed in, in HIV. And um, one of them was a lady named Grace, and she was a uh, she's a publisher of a newspaper, a Latina newspaper called Costa Novela up here. And um, we brought Yulitsa in as well, and... Um, they were amazing. They, they they did half of it in English and half of it in Spanish, you know. So every time they addressed the needs of the Spanish individuals, they quickly translated to English for us gringos out in the audience. And it was it was amazing. We had five different organizations there, uh, five health departments because of the local area. We had um, people from ACA there as well. We had, we had a good cross-representation. And boy, did we get an airfoil. These people are afraid to come in because they're afraid of deportation. They're afraid because 
we don't understand the language correctly. They're afraid because they don't, um, we just don't get it, you know. So the communication was open there. So you know, bringing it's, all it's this. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, I've heard story after story about, you know, ICE raids and how families are separated. Um, and, and we obviously know as a country that uh, immigration reform has to occur, and it's something that this administration has um, not really acted on. And I think many in the Latino um, you know, population uh, is greatly angered. And, and rightfully so about that. Oh, of course. Um, but how have you, you know, it seems as if you've gained some trust. Uh, and I know that's extremely hard for an Anglo to gain trust um, in the Latino population. How have you done that? Well, first of all, I started educating the staff. Um, again, I, you know, I wanted the staff to hear it from somebody else. And we called, the, um, we called our friends up in Arizona who are affiliated with the CDC and the the National Health uh, Community Planning Partners up there, and uh, we brought them in, and they did diversity classes immediately for us for our for our our health our healthcare providers in the area, which was an eye opener. So we started educating our staff a little bit. Um, uh, I got I myself and a few other people started going, became more visible in the communities. We did uh, we started bringing condoms into the, into the different communities in, in areas that most people just don't go into. I mean, you know, because um, you would never think of going to places like little bodegas, which are grocery stores, or even computer stores where international phone calling cards are sold and, and setting up a whole condom demonstration there so that people, you know, understand. With the Latin community, because of the of the culture, there, there are two things. The, the men are very machismo and the women are, and the men revere their women as Maria Mismo, which is like very holy, you know. But yet, the men, when the, when they're separated from the women, and because they're working, and the women may be somewhere else, and, and the men are migrating, they're living ten to twelve people in a house. Um, well, men being men, you know, sometimes prostitution comes in, and you know a lot of variables enter. And, and with that being said, then they go home to their wives. And um, uh, condoms in that in, in that particular um, population, you know, um, aren't really used that much. And so we started training women to empower themselves to to say, you know, if if you want love, you need you need a condom. So I mean, it, it's a lot of work, and it's crazy. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I walk into the community sometimes, and I, I, I'm being called Poppy. I don't know why. Um, the kids are <laughs> wonderful, you know. Um, there was a little boy, you know, this is beyond HIV and AIDS. The side of his mouth was so swollen, and I, I couldn't – it looked like a really bad abscess. And I was like, you know, who's taking care of this kid? And I almost got accused for kidnapping. And I grabbed the kid, and I took him to uh, a dentist across one of our clinics, but not it, it, no affiliation with us. And I spoke to this dentist and I said, you know, fix this kid's mouth, you know. Can you do something? And she says, well, hang on to pay for it. I said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Just fix the kid. You know, he's only four years old. And, you know, his teeth were just killing him. And, um, you know, I got him to the dentist and I got some farm, you know, some medications for him, stuff from the pharmacy across their road. And, um, you know, we worked on the kid and stuff, and 
that was a couple of years ago, and I mean, the kid and I kind of still know each other. You know, every time he sees me, he runs up to me. But I guess the word kind of got out. Everything's cool, you know. So it's just a simple, random act of kindness. You know, it's a humanity thing, and and that's how that's the language everybody speaks. So, so, so I wanted to ask you. Uh, this morning, we heard Joey Wynn uh, basically recap what. ACA, or many are calling it Obamacare. We know that right now the government is in a stalemate between the uh, Republicans and the Democrats. How crucial is it, uh, you know, the the new Ryan White, and Joey painted the picture of what the new Ryan White will look like um, as the ACA gets rolled out. And, and we saw that in there, there will still be provisions for undocumented um, immigrants. Exactly. How Im- the how important Sorry. is that, you know, for you as a service provider that's serving this demographic, how important is that, that that language be in the Ryan White um, as, in regards to prevention and treatment? Well, it's extremely important. I mean, it, it, it will help make sure that people are getting the linkage to care that, that they need. It, it, it's extremely important. Um, Ryan White just holds no bars against if you're a citizen, undocumented or undocumented. So, I mean, with that being said, I mean, that gives us the advantage. The Affordable Care Act, I mean, let's face it, it's brilliant. It's here. Um, You either like it or you don't, but it is here, and it is law of the land. And with that being said, um, you you have to have the right (laughs) documentation to get into Affordable Care Act. And if you're not a citizen, you're, you're not in. So... Here's where the Ryan White is like a, a safety net for people who are who who do need help, who do who do need ADAP, who need clinical services, to, you know, able to get their medications, things of that nature. So it's extremely important, and it, it is a safety net. So I mean, we're very blessed to continue with the with the Ryan White program. I mean, it was you know it's up for reauthorization as we speak, and. Um, you know, people are saying, well, let's reauthor- make sure we have to have it reauthorized. And, and that's kind of crazy to say that, especially during a temperament of sequestration. I mean, you know, we're in a temperament where everything is getting slashed. And with that being said, just let it continue. It doesn't have to be for reauthorization. It doesn't have to sunset or you know, any of these crazy catchphrases that we hear about, you know, what could possibly happen. The idea that it, it continues. And because it will continue... It's still going to save lives in so many ways. And, and of course, the Ryan White Act is going to change as we know it because it's going to evolve for more people with with insurance. Like, you know, you're still going to have things like dental and hoppel, which insurance doesn't cover, and things of those nature. But for the undocumented, it's going to cover the other linkage to care that, that's so badly needed. And that's, you know, of course, having the, pro- the proper providers to health care. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing. This is huge. This is really a, a great thing that we're seeing right now. So. All right, let's go. I have a, a caller here, so let's uh, take him or her real quickly. Uh, area code 248, you are on the air. Who's this and where are you calling from? Hey, Robert. Hey, Aaron. It's Ken. Hey, Hi, how are you? I'm from the road. I'm good. I'm good. Congratulations, Aaron, on your new gig. Thank you. Yeah. It's great to see you guys. I had a great time. Uh was really a great experience to be there. Um, 
so many good people that were there, good to see Timothy and everybody else this time. So just wanted to say hello. So good job, you guys. Keep up the good work, all right? All right. Thanks, Ken. All right. Thanks. Take care. Thanks. Have a good night. Bye-bye. And Ken was right. You guys were fabulous. I totally enjoyed your presentation. It was it was a true breath of fresh air. Um, you know, for people like myself who've been in this business for a long time, um, to see the two of you come together and to introduce such a revolutionary idea, I mean, Robert can tell you, and he laughs every time I say this probably, um, I came in kicking and screaming to, multi, you know, the social media thing. You know, I was still using a flip phone. I was still using a flip phone when I met Robert, so... <laughs> um, but this this is great. I mean, this you guys are the future. And um uh, watching the two of you do your presentation, um this is a marriage. This is great. You two are like ebb and flow and I I know you're going to be very very successful in your future endeavors together. So, I congratulate you both um especially on your education piece today or yesterday rather. It was um it was an eye opener for some folks. And uh I I think as Aaron saw last yesterday, for some of the uh, older gents in the uh, in the uh, crowd, it was a little bit hard to swallow, wasn't it? It, it was, and you know, I think that uh, you know, I think any time we talk about change, which I think right now with ACA, um, I think people are just afraid of change or afraid of what they're not uh, comfortable with. But that yeah. doesn't mean it's wrong or right. It just means that um, it's something different, and we need to embrace it. We have a few minutes left, and we're going to start wrapping it up. I, I wanted to um, – we're going to, I'm sure, have more shows on the Affordable Care Act and, and its implications for those living with HIV because it, we this is something, seriously, we could have show after show after show over. You know, I, Joey Wynn made the suggestion that the, you know, the market's open on October 1st, um, you're going to be seeing a lot of news media uh, campaigning for various markets. You know, folks, don't go out there and and buy into a market on day one. Exactly. You know, do your exactly. research and contact your the local ASO. You know, contact the people like Butch, like Rick, um, people in your community, um, and they can give you the real answers. And I can't say enough good things about you Rick. Um well, thank you. Aaron. From from what I heard of of Martin Delaney um and the work that you're doing um hats off to you because you you are a rock star in my book. Well, I appreciate it guys. Thank you so much. Well, um, actually before I, you go, I want to say something real quick. Um I I echo with what Butch has said and what 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 Aaron is saying, but you know, Rick, you're one of the one of the guys that I met. I, I'm not sure if we met at ADAP before the Positive Living that I went to first, but I remember meeting you there and you really sticking out and welcoming me and making me feel like I was a part of it because I was new. I traveled there by myself. I was speaking by myself, and it was like only, you know, the first few times that I've ever spoke. I was a nervous wreck. I just remember you were one of those one of those guys that was a smiling face that made me feel like I was welcomed, and it just made me really love the conference. You know, going there and knowing that you're going to be there every year makes me want to go back every year because I know, like, you're that family that I'm talking about that, like, every year you meet somebody different that's added to your family, and you were one of those people. I mean, and I just want you to know that I think you're an awesome 
awesome man. And I am pissed that I haven't had you on the show before, but I'm, we're going to have you come back on because I want to hear more about your personal story. I mean, 30 years living with HIV, I think it's incredible, and that's a lot of hope. So I, well, I want to hear so much. You know, and, and those PSAs that we played during the show, actually, I got them from you. Yeah. The first year I met you. you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember so, that. I mean, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I thought that was pretty so, cool. I, listen, you were, look, when I first met you, Robert, you were a breath of fresh air. I looked at you when I first met you. It was in Washington, D.C., as a matter of fact, um, at AAA. And, um, mm-hmm. You, I, I remember. I remember you had that deer in the headlight look. I'm going to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I was, but but you but you spoke up, and you were so brave to speak up. And I kept saying to myself, "That young man's going to. That's our future. We're going to be standing on his shoulders, you know. And he's going to be climbing. You know, he's going to be the guy that's going to be the next generation who's going to educate people. And, and now, when I met Aaron just just uh, the other day. As I said, th- this is a marriage between you guys. You're it, you know, and I'm depending on you guys. And I know, I know Butch is as well. You know, we're, we're <laughs> old guys, <laughs> you know, and it's obvious. We, you know, you're infected for for 30 years or so, such as myself. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm 60, you know. It kind of hurts. <laughs> but with that being said, um, you know, I, I want I want to know that in the future, the, you know, the handoff and, and the hands that are going to take over this are, are going to be in good hands, and and you guys are it most definitely. And I appreciate and love you both for that. So oh, thank you, you so much. We love you too. All right. So Rick, how can people get a hold of you? Well, um, I just taken a new position with the state. Um, I'm the Medicaid Area 2A HAPSI, which is the HIV AIDS Program Coordinator. Um, if people want to call me, you can reach me at the uh, local health department, area code eight five zero. Um, 872-4455 or you could reach me um, through my email uh, rick underscore vitale that's v-i-t-a-l-e at d-o-h dot state dot f-l dot u-s and uh, you know I'm always willing to hear from folks so feel free to call me anytime cool well thanks again Rick for joining us and congratulations on all your work and, and, and winning the award it's well deserved. Well, and thank you guys. And uh, again, a shout out to my dear friend Butch McKay. You know, he he is my rock. He's my inspiration. And this guy encourages me and pushes me every day. And if I didn't have Butch um, to to give me that extra nudge or that push, I don't think I would have done this at all. So uh, that that little guy I love very much. <laughs> so. Well, he can hear it, so I'm sure he's saying he loves you too. Ah, okay, cool. <laughs> well, have yourself a great night. Thanks, guys. I hope we can do and this thank again. Thank you again. Absolutely. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And again, for more information on uh, Butch McKay and the Positive Living Conference, please go to hoasis.org to make a donation or to find out how you can help um, with the issues in Florida. So, wow, Aaron, the hour and a half has flown by. You know, once we start talking about these things, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm convinced we could go on a you know a, a two hour show, a two and a half hour show. That's not practical. Um, you know, maybe at some point down the down the road um, we can examine things. But I like the new format. I like we had a lot of participation tonight. We covered a lot of topics, 
And that's what we're going to do on a weekly basis. We're going to talk about, um, you know, entertainment, gossip, policy, important issues um, that really get people's minds going. And I'm excited about it. I'm I'm really excited. I can I love the people that are online listening, the people in the chat room. Um, give us feedback. Tell us what you thought of the new format. What do you think of Aaron being the co-host? Tweet us at PauseIM, or you can follow us on Facebook, uh, like our page, uh, PauseIM Radio Show. I want to thank everybody for joining in. Um, it's been good. To, it feels good to be back. I, I missed it. Uh, I took a little vacation, and it's it's nice to be reconnected with everyone. I, I've missed it. So um, for more information on Aaron, where can they go to get information uh, on you? Facebook is Aaron Matthew Laxon. Twitter is Aaron Laxon. And YouTube, you can find me on My HIV Journey. There you go. More information on myself, you can go to pauseim.com or pauseim.org and Robert Brining on Facebook and at pauseim on Twitter. Have a great night, um, and we'll see you next week. This has been another broadcast of Pause I Am. Pause 2.0, it's brand new format. 90 minutes brought to you each Sunday where we cover gossip, entertainment, policy, politics, you name it. If it's important to you, if it's important to the HIV community, we will talk about it. And if you don't hear something that you want to be talked about, shoot us a message. Hit us up on Facebook. Robert Brining, Aaron Matthew Laxon, and also Pause I Am Radio. Be sure to like that. And if you haven't done so yet, check out pauseim.org. That's pauseim.org. We're in this thing together, and we will be here until the end, until a cure is found, to be pointing out injustices, to be pointing out stigma, to highlight people who are doing the right thing each and every day, to highlight people who are not letting HIV dominate their lives, ruin their lives. This is your 90-minute dose of hope. But we want each one of you not to stop believing. Keep coming back. Keep listening. Till next week, this is Aaron Laxton. For Robert Brining, signing off. Good evening.